Man, it's so good to be with you. I, I know you had a great time with Brother Marty. I, we were just talking about we hadn't been together in a meeting in probably almost 25 or 30 years. We would just miss each other in a ton of meetings together, but we're never there at the same time. We would, I would leave or he would leave. We just, just missed each other coming and crossing. And uh, so it's great to be with you. I wish you could have heard some of your messages. I know they're so good. And, and Pastor Mike and Pastor Joan, just a family to me, just seeing them and seeing the kids. It scares me seeing the grandkids on the stage <laughs> singing. I keep looking around going, is this possible that this is actually happening? Oh, it's just wonderful. So cool. And uh, I think of Greg and, and, and Charity and your daughter. Just like, it's just so cool to have the whole family obeying God. Isn't that wonderful? There's something, you talk, about a, you talk about people's fruit when you get to look at your family loving Jesus. There's nothing cooler than that, is there? Come on. And what an exciting time to live. And we're, we're having a faith conference, and man, we're, we're living right before the coming of the Lord. How exciting to, to watch things happen every single day, uh, the Word coming to pass. How would we have thought, I, you know, I believe we'll get to heaven. People go, when were you on the earth? And we go, I was there in 2022. They go, oh my God, right before the King comes. Hallelujah. So we, we have a, a, not weird, but an unusual and a specific destiny, I think, more than almost all the generations, kind of a John the Baptist destiny, you know, it doesn't mean we have to be weird or eat locust burgers, but uh, it's just to get the message out, you know. I mean, you think about John, the Bible says that John, he woke up a dead nation. Think about it, from Malachi to Matthew, 400 years of silence, all of a sudden John comes on the scene and uh, woke a nation up, and they said, are you a prophet? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm a voice voice of one crying in the wilderness and uh jesus said about john said there had been a greater prophet since him ever was since there ever was or ever will be but the least in the kingdom of god has got more anointing than john the baptist come on so you may have gotten saved last week and you're more of a voice than john was so, so that's it. We, we got to rise up and, and go for it. And in the Old Covenant, God raised up prophets to pull Israel back. In the New Covenant, He raises up the believer to be a voice. Well, that went over real good. It's true. Amen. <laughs> so even if you're ordering a cheeseburger, you know, whatever, you're ordering fries and a Diet Coke, oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. Hallelujah. You know, it doesn't have to be with the chicken or the swan, which I like that. It can be very normal just telling people the Lord's about to come back. I remember being on a flight one time to Sweden. This lady said, what's going on? I said, I know what's going on. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem was going back. Hebrew language restored. Ethiopian Jews brought back. Fertility of the land of Israel. She goes, what? I go, the signs of the coming of the Lord, our generation. Went and got another flight attendant. Told them that one. Went and got another flight attendant. We had seven flight attendants having a church service on the way to Sweden one time. <laughs> because people need to know the answers right now. Why? The king's coming back. So uh, we're so blessed that the, the root that we all came out of is such a radical root of putting the word first. Uh, so we're blessed. I'm glad you're here. You're here on, on Monday night, so you're the real deal. This is, you can just pull out the stops on Monday night, so buckle up. Here we go. Amen. Hey, I'll give you a couple of testimonies, then we'll get right into what we're going to get into tonight. I, I got a, a thousand directions coming to me, but I'm landing on one, so we won't be here all night. We'll just go five, six hours. That's all. <laughs> No, we won't do that. Have I ever preached long here, ever? I should have. No, there we go. There we go. No, because I, I, I'm so conscious of time. I've been there when Jesus had left the building and the preacher didn't know it. So I'm super. I mean, Jesus waves and the preacher's like, he just keeps preaching. So no, I'm conscious of your time. But we, we're, we're gathering extra meetings, special meetings. So he'll do special things. So. I'll give you a couple of testimonies on Wirtz, Virginia, a couple weeks ago. I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their arm. I said, it's not a carpal tunnel, but it's uh, arthritis. The guitar player 
He'd just been to the doctor. He told me this after the service. The guitar player said, that's what the doctor said to me. It's not carpal, it's not carpal tunnel. It's arthritis. And he said, it disappeared right when you said that. Listen, he goes, I was skeptical of gifts of the Spirit. And here the Lord healed me just like that right there in the service. <laughs> On the stage, skeptical of gifts of the Spirit. And I had another word. And I was that someone had damage in their bladder. And a man had just gotten shot by a shotgun. A guy tried to kill this guy three times in the belly. And uh, he was healed. Didn't even go have his doctor's appointment that week. He said, no, man, I, it, it came on me right here during the service. Had a kid in Alma, Arkansas. I was preaching and doing words of knowledge at the end. You know, just calling him out real simple. And uh, he said about me, he goes, he's a con man. He's a con man. This is all BS. Well, one of the words I had right after that was, uh, there's someone here, uh, an explosion went off by your head, kind of like dynamite. Actually, it was tannerite, found out later. And I said, something happened, and you, you lost your hearing. He said, when I said that, something sucked out of his ear. He was calling me a con man. And he said, he came down in front of the church, started crying. Said, I was mocking that guy, and here I'm healed. Praise God. The Lord's so good. He'll, he'll, he'll heal people that don't like the preacher, don't even want to be there. Amen? He's just, his mercy endures forever. You know, the one, one, one that was maybe a few months ago, uh, uh, the crazy one was, I was in Mattoon, Illinois. I had a word of knowledge that someone had a metal plate in their head. This is Ed and Mary Nell Stevens. I like to tell the name of the pastor so people can know this. This really happens because it's so weird. It's hard to believe that it happened. I said, there's somebody here. You got a metal plate in your head. I said, you're healed. I didn't even know what the deal was. I said, you're healed. This lady came walking down at, at the end of the service, Pastor Mary Nell and, and, and Brother Ed were right there. And the lady comes walking down. She goes, uh, I have a loose screw. I said, what? She goes, no, I have a screw loose. I said, well, we all have a screw loose. You know? But she goes, no, I really do. I go, what do you mean you have a screw loose? She goes, I have a plate in my head. They want to take me back in and open that flap up and bolt that, that bolt down. I go, how do you know it's loose? She goes, I can feel it wiggling in my head. She said, when you called that out, I could felt that bolt tighten down in my head. So the Lord can even tighten your screws up if he needs to. Amen. <laughs> He's just good. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So uh, he's not mad at you tonight, not frustrated with you tonight. He loves you. Isn't it amazing? The devil doesn't need to even condemn anybody. People condemn themselves. Everybody feels like they don't measure up. Well, don't be moved by your feelings. Daniel prophesied about you. He saw you. He said you would know your God. You'd be strong and you would do exploits. Isn't it great that heaven's already seen what you look like? If, you, if we could realize right now, tonight, you're a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. Because you're just like Him. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. So let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. I have some things to get into. We'll have a good time. Father, thank You for this wild bunch that came on Monday night. Thank You for blessing them. Lord, we thank You for Your holy written Word where we found out who we are in Christ. That most of all, we magnify You, Jesus that you gave your life for us, that you were beaten. What a horrific death just so we could be free, Lord. Peace of mind, healing for our bodies, eternal life, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, we know there's a, a commission and an assignment for this hour to do the will of God in such a short period of time. So help us as we see the finish line accelerate. Uh, not an escape theology, Lord, but we'll, we'll, we'll pick up the mantles of old and we'll say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Smith Wigglesworth? Where is the Lord God of John Lake? Where is the Lord God of Kenneth E. Hagan? And Father, we'll say he's our God. He's our God tonight. So we thank you for great, great times of joy, great times of boldness for your church, Lord. We thank you for an infusion of strength for your church, Lord. So that it would almost be hard to, uh, uh, to have any kind of a shred of unbelief. It would be ridiculous not to believe your word, Lord. So we thank you for bold faith, radical faith, to walk with you and to implement your plan right here before we are raptured. We give you glory. 
We give you honor and we give you praise. We lift you up, Jesus, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, when I got into this, it was early. It was years ago, 1970. Uh, my mom took me to hear Kenneth Hagin in Shreveport, Louisiana. I didn't know at the time that that was the headquarters for the Voice of Healing. You walk in the foyer of the church. You know, it's what's this name's church? What's the guy's name from Christ for the Nations? Uh, Gordon Lindsay. It's Gordon Lindsay's operation, and they had that publication out called The Voice of Healing. Well, we walk in the foyer there, and there's AA, pictures of A.A. Allen, big old huge pictures of William Branham, uh, Jack Coe, all these guys that had a, a history of radical miracles. Like A.A. Allen would take a guy that was in a car wreck, he's just, his back's all broken over like that, <laughs> he'd pick him up and snap his back like that and go, you're healed. And all of a sudden, broom, the guy would stand up right there and go, I'm healed. I mean, and, and they didn't even know the word like you know the word. They didn't even know who they were in Christ like you do tonight. They did preach Jesus, though. But they had the radicalest miracles, just wild. If you, if you got into all of them, you'd go, how could that have been a, a movement of 10 years to do that? Well, we heard Brother Hagin then, and uh, uh, my mom after that. We went to church every night for probably 1971, 72, 73. I thought my mother had lost her mind. We went to church Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Mom, hello, what's wrong with you? This is crazy. And then we would drive to John Osteen's church seven hours away. Let me just say this. There were no Word of Faith churches. So we drove seven hours to hear John Osteen. And I'm like, Mom, isn't there something closer? Well, she started a church in the back of the bookstore she started. I can remember, you know, some guy came in and possessed the devil. My mom picks her up, throws her against the wall. I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? Come out of him. I'm like, what in the world? But, I mean, it was just all new to everybody. But the hunger we all had coming from different backgrounds that we weren't really told what we have in Christ. So you think of Kenneth Hagin literally bringing us faith and hearing Mark 11, 23 and 24, how it changed all of our lives, literally changed our lives, that we, we're a generation that we have what we say. We're not trying to figure that out. We know that. We know that whatsoever things we desire, when we pray, we believe that we receive them and we have them. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grace that we know this, that's, that was so preached so strong that it's in you. Like those guys in the 50s, it was not really in them. They didn't even know who they were in Christ, but they had great results. So think of how God's raised you up to know who you are in Christ, be stable, have a move of the Spirit, a move of the Word, and be normal and show people the resurrection. So, I mean, back then, in those days, it had to be kind of crazy. If you watch Brother Shambach, <laughs> I just, my book just came out, and the publishers of the book, they wanted me to do all this weird stuff like Brother Shambach. Uh, Brother Shambach would introduce A.A. Allen. This is how he would introduce him. Folks, I tell you, every single one of you to the tent tonight, if you come looking for the power of God, if you're weak tonight, you won't be weak anymore. And I tell you, if you've come to be healed, you'll be healed tonight, every single one of you. Well, my publishers wanted me to do that. They go, now you've got to get more zippy if you want to sell more books. I said, I'm not going to get more zippy to sell more books. I can tell you that right now. But it was just a different day. I mean, it was just bizarro that they were like, it was showtime, go time. And then Brother Hagin came along and just quietly sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word. No fanfare. I like what Brother Hagin said, where there's flash, there's flesh. Well, I don't want flesh. I want the power of God. 
So you get into all that, and I remember, I guess it was 1970, I was about uh, eight years old, and I had asthma really bad. Growing up as a kid, I was super sick as I was earlier than that. When I was born, they said I was allergic to everything but water, sugar, and oatmeal. So for three years, I had water, sugar, and oatmeal. And my mom said there's no way he can live with that, but I made it. <laughs> but I grew up kind of, and had asthma, and had to have a shot of adrenaline every night. And my dad was a rank unbeliever. He mocked God, cursed God. I mean, <laughs> bless his heart, he just hated the Lord. And here mom's taking us to church all the time. So I told my dad, I said, hey, dad, I'm going to go have Kenneth Hagin lay hands on me. And I used to have to have a shot of adrenaline every night. You can open up the refrigerator, and there's ACTH, adrenaline, to keep me alive. So I wouldn't be able to breathe. They'd put a shot of adrenaline in me, and I'd breathe. I said, Dad, I'm going to go have hands laid on me, and I'll never have to have another shot the rest of my life. He goes, you're crazy. I said, well, we'll see what happens. We drove from Shreveport, Louisiana, down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Brother Hagen was preaching there. This is 1970. I went down. I was just a kid. I went down the prayer line, and I did it just like he always said, this point of contact. When he lays hands on me, I'm going to take it right there. He laid hands on me. I think I fell out on the power. I don't even remember. Went back to my house. That night, didn't have to have a shot of adrenaline. The next night, didn't have to have a shot of adrenaline. Told my dad, said, Dad, that's three nights now I've not had a shot of adrenaline. The Lord healed me. He goes, oh, that's just crazy. So he said, if you don't want to believe, you won't believe. But thank God for people bringing the word to where you could have asthma one night, the next night you don't have asthma. How many of you have been healed because you find out Jesus redeemed you? Come on. I mean, think about this generation, all of us here tonight, have all of that word in us. So I want to I land on something that, if you could call it, it greases the wheels of your faith. Makes your faith operate in a radical way, if we could call it that. Because that's what Peter said in 2 Peter. He said, add some elements to your faith. And the first thing he said to add to your faith was a lack of caution. Because, see, we've been taught, everybody be cautious now. Don't offend anybody. Make sure everybody's okay. And the first thing that Peter said to add to your faith was boldness or daringness, or a better translation is a lack. Oh, come on. Think about it. A lack of a, a, lack of a shred of fear to your faith. Lack of caution. Just jumping out of the boat and walking on the water. Glory to God. Amen. So, with this... We look at all the stories in the Gospels of people that, that, that really, I always like to look at the stories where people impress the Lord. I mean, you have the Syrophoenician woman. She doesn't have a covenant with God, but she bypasses that. And Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. It's sad that the stories that you know of where the Lord was impressed with their faith, it wasn't covenant people. He had to go outside the family to find people that would radically believe. You remember the centurion when he came to Jesus? He said, you know, my servant lies at home sick of the, uh, not palsy, but I can't remember what it was. Was it palsy or something? I can't remember. Anyway, and Jesus said, I'll come heal him. And he said, no, no, you don't have to do that. Listen, he said, speak the word only. And he said, I'm a man under authority. I have all these men under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. So he had an understanding of authority. He said, you, your words carry so much weight, you don't even have to come to my house. And Jesus, uh, uh, he marveled. He said, I've not found, so he's looking for this. I've not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. So he's looking for that kind of faith. Wow. Now that's where he should have found faith, was in the family. I mean, the family had a history of uh, Moses stands up there, we're at the Red Sea, and uh, Moses starts kind of complaining. <laughs> and the Lord goes, why are you talking to me? Use your authority. You stretch forth your rod. And man, you talk about a history of the move of God. I mean, the, the, the sea parts, and they walk right through it, and then within a few hours, they forget how big God is. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> So, so God had to almost go outside the family to find people that would believe radically. 
Okay, because the family has a tendency to go, well, you know, I don't, you know, almost like I don't feel like I should be too bold about this. But hang with me. I'm getting to where I'm going to land on here in just a second. Hang with me. If you went to a restaurant tonight, maybe you went to that diner and you paid the bill and you got your receipt and you guys are getting ready to leave. And the waitress comes over, and goes, you got another bill. Oh, no, no, I've already paid the bill. Uh, here's my receipt right here. And then she comes again and goes, no, no, you got to pay the bill. After a while, Pastor Mike is even as calm and as nice as he is. We're going, have you lost your mind? I've paid the bill already. Quit bringing me a bill. And see, the Lord's already paid for all this stuff. And, and, and we're not near as bold about that as we would be about a meal. It's inappropriate for you not to be blessed. It's inappropriate for you to be sick. It's inappropriate because it's already been paid for. Come on, it's inappropriate if you do not have peace of mind. It's wrong. Why? He's already paid for it. It'd be rude. It'd be rude not to take advantage of it. <laughs> so, but we would do that with the meal. But when it comes to the Lord, we don't get that radical. We kind of skirt it along and kind of tolerate some stuff. And so Jesus had to go to some other groups to find some people that wouldn't tolerate it. The Syrophoenician woman, he called her a dog. He ignored her. Then he called her a dog. And she said, yeah, but the dog eats from the crumbs from the master's table. I don't even need a whole slice of bread of what you got. A fragment of what you got will take care of my daughter. And that's radical faith. Because we say send the power. You got all the power you already need. Come on. Hang with me. I'm getting somewhere. Come on. So I want to land on something that makes this work. Because we know Mark eleven twenty three. I remember maybe it was about 10, 15 years ago, the Lord was telling me about Mark eleven twenty three. I've said it a few times here. Here, Jesus taught us about faith with, with several different things. Number one, you can use your faith for desserts, figs. Because <laughs> that's what he started that whole story with was figs, dessert. Or you can use your faith for obstacles, mountains. So you got dessert. You got mountains, and then he said you could use your faith for desires. <laughs> okay, so two-thirds of your faith were for dessert and desires. One-third of your faith was for mountains. You don't even need all of your faith to move a mountain. One-third of it will move a mountain. Oh, I think I'll do Elvis on that. Here we go. Come on. <laughs> no, so we, we've been taught if we can get enough word in us, then we can do this. And here the Lord's like, don't you worry. You can use a third of your faith for desserts, a third of your faith for desires, a third of your faith to move mountains. I would think, well, we have to get a lot of faith to move mountains. He said if you had faith as a seed, you'd say you'd speak to it. You don't even have to have strong faith. Just use the faith you have. So let's go look at something that will make it work, and that is the centurion. He, him understanding authority made faith work more than we can even comprehend how to make faith work. There's one thing that you can look at as far as if, if your faith is really on par is, how is your joy gauge and how is your peace gauge? I think I'll say that again. How is your joy gauge in your car or your peace gauge? If you're in joy and if you're in peace, you can tell you're in faith. Amen. All right, so grab your Bibles. You just turn where you think y'all turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Come on. Go over, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. And let's just get into this for a little bit. I won't preach too long. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. How many are still glad you came tonight? How many are glad you're here not in surgery? Come on. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church rather than surgery. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's look at this one key that makes faith be easy to us or actually explode for us. To where you almost can hardly even teach it in words. It just happens once we get into it. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Skip down there to verse 4. 
Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, verse 5, our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So here, he says, you became mimickers or imitators of us after one message. That's pretty radical. So there must have been something about that message that liberated them to go, I can act like Paul and I can act like Jesus. Now, I've been taught message after message, you know, uh, well, if you travel with the right guy, you go to the right Bible school, if you hang around the anointing, then you could maybe imitate Paul. And then here, here he says they heard one message and it so made them go, I can act just like Jesus. That's pretty radical. Now, what was that, me what was that message? Simplistic authorization. Which, if I, if I said I'm going to preach on authority tonight, people would go, oh, authority, whatever. No, there's something about simplistic authorization that produces boldness that makes your faith work. Because, you know, the centurion go, you know, I've been to Bible school for 10 years, so I'm going to really have great faith. No, he just understood authority. And Jesus marveled. Listen, Jesus marveled at his faith. So there's something about that. Just sim what is it about simplistic authorization? It just, you, you, just like when you had your license. How many of you, and I grew up in Louisiana, how many of you drove before you got your license? I mean, we hauled hay, and I remember being 10 years old, being on the freeway in a truck, going, I'm 10 years old on the interstate. What am I doing? Not just back roads, just hauling hay everywhere. And I remember when I was eight, my parents were out of town, and I was staying with my neighbor, and, and uh, I walked back over to my house, and we had a 70 Chevrolet Impala. I got that Chevrolet Impala out. I drove that. I, we had 10 acres. I made a track. I'm drifting that Impala around the turns. My, the, the, the couple I was staying with, the man came walking out. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving a little, having a little fun. I mean, he goes, you're drifting in those turns like you've been driving all your life. I was eight years old. So, you know, you, in, in being a hillbilly, you grow up doing stuff you probably shouldn't do. So when the police come around, you get a little nervous because you're not authorized. You don't have your license. So I couldn't wait till when Louisiana is 15, 14, you get your driver's permit, 15, you get your license. And when a police car drive up, they go, I got my license, man. I can do whatever. It just, it changed the thought pattern. It changed the tone. I started believing something that put me into a place and I didn't even understand why I had been authorized. It just works. So it, it makes what you believe active. All right, hang with me. We'll, we'll get somewhere. Just go, go with me just a little bit. Skip over to Luke chapter 9. Grab your Bibles there and go back just a little bit. And we'll go back to that. Luke 9. Now these are all things you know, but we're going to get somewhere. We'll, we'll land on it here in a sec. Look at Luke chapter 9 and watch how Jesus operated with his staff here. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay? He authorized them. Guess how long it took them to duplicate his ministry? Instantaneous. Take them five years, ten years, two weeks? No. Something about that made them go, I can do this. So simplistic authorization, they go, all right, I'm in. And, and they, they, they started functioning just like him. Well, you say, well, that was the 12. And of course, the 12 with Jesus, they, they would be able to do it because they're the, the famous 12. Well, look at chapter 10. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. 
Look at Luke 10. Skip over one chapter. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also, sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he would go. So he sends forth the 70, and they so freaked out, they said, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, that's not a big deal. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Of course they were subject to, your, to my name. So how long did it take them to function like Jesus? Instantaneous. Not five years, not two years, not one year. So there's something about authorization that makes this work. It makes our faith believe. Because at one point they had to go, okay, I believe this. Because they didn't go, now, are you, you sure your authority is good enough? No, they'd seen what he did. And see, for us, this is what we dwell on. He said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of death and hell. Oh, come on. <laughs> Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, he's the wonder worker. Luke, he's the son of man. John, he's the son of God. Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. This is who's authorized you. When you start backing up and finding out the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, the, the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Habakkuk saw him, said he had shafts of light coming out of his side. Exodus 19, he said, put a fence around the mountain, lest they even get near to me at gaze and it kill them. Not because God was mad at them. He's just holy and they weren't holy. This is who authorized you. So when they went out, it was instantaneous. They didn't go, well, I don't know about your past, Lord. No, they knew exactly what was going on. He authorized them. Boom, they instantly started functioning. Look at, look at, go back to chapter to 9. Go back to chapter 9. Look at verse 49. Watch this. John answered, Lord, this is verse 49 of, of Luke 9. John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name, and we forbid him because he didn't follow with us or travel with us. And Jesus said, Forbid him not. He that's not against us is for us. So here's a guy that hadn't even authorized, but he had enough brains to see what worked. Amen. And, and then don't get mad at me. We want to hear, we have a tendency to think if I hear enough messages on faith, I'll function in this. They didn't have 50 messages on faith. How many messages on faith did they have? None. But they had one thing, authorization, and they functioned like they'd had thousands of messages in faith. Come on. Now, I, I listen to the Word. I overdose on the Word. I, there's, there's one uh, thing I listen to on YouTube on Brother Hagin. It's called Reigning in Your Authority. I probably listen to it 1,500 times. I can quote it front to back. For, from from uh, South Bend, Indiana, there's a, 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 a teaching that Brother Hagin did on It's why people fall under the power. But really, it gets to talking about William Brandon. It gets to talking about the power of God. I can quote it from front to back. Oh, glory to God, man. Why? Because I'm overdosing on the Word right now because the environment I live in is an environment of radical unbelief even in the church. So I'm, I'm, I'm having to deal with skepticism every week. People go, is God really healing people? Is God really doing that? He's not only doing that, He's beyond doing that. Amen. Doing crazy stuff. Just wild. Well, why? We're, we're right before the coming of the Lord. So there has to be this visible, tangible display of what Jesus is like. Okay? And this is how we get there. I'm going to get there. Just hang with me a little bit. I, I love this one with Brother Hagin. Remember the story Brother Hagin tells about? He had a pastor friend that was going to travel with him for two weeks. And that pastor friend had full-blown sugar diabetes. His pancreas is not working right, so he's having to adjust his sugar level and his insulin manually. He checks his sugar level in the morning, gives himself more insulin. You know how diabetes works. 
And here, Brother Hagin developed his authority to the point that he said, okay, to this pastor, while you're near me for two weeks on the road, you won't register any sugar. And that pastor goes, what? <laughs> he goes, you won't register any sugar. Well, that guy ate, that pastor ate cakes and pies the first night. And he goes, well, I'm bound to register some sugar. That morning he woke up and checks his sugar level. And he goes, it beats anything I've ever seen. He goes, what in the world is, what's going on here? He goes, I wish I could do that. Brother Hagin said, it didn't come by wishing, it comes by believing. So Brother Hagin developed his authority to the point that a man's pancreas would come alive, getting near him. Ooh, not, not just to set you free, you get close to me, I got so much authority, it'll set you free. Oh man, I might do Elvis on that one, wow, come on. Well, you know what? He, he went back home and for two weeks there was a residue of authority working in him to where he didn't have to register any sugar even after coming home for two weeks. Now eventually he got healed, didn't have diabetes anymore. But how cool is that that Brother Hagen called that the edge of authority? Didn't even call it authority, called it the edge. Man, if that's the edge, where are we at? Come on, woo, giddy up. I think, of, I think of Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, I remember one time I was preaching in, in England. I was, I was preaching on the God Channel. This is like 1995. They were interviewing me on gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, man, it was tough because the guy interviewing me was not even saved. And while he's interviewing me, he goes out for a break and does drugs. I could tell it. I'm like, this guy just did drugs while he's interviewing me. He would ask me a question, and I'd tell him the answer. He goes, holy cow. And I'd be like, oh, my God, this guy doesn't even, he doesn't know come here from Gideon. He's not saved, and he's doing drugs in between all of our questions. So it was a horrible interview. So it's supposed to be hours. So I'm just sitting there, and this lady could tell I was like, oh, my God, Lord, help me. She came over during one of our breaks, which my, the guy went out and did drugs, and I'm talking to this elderly lady. She goes, you know, Smith Wigglesworth's from right here in, in Newcastle. I said, yeah, this is where he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was like, how cool. And she said, let me tell you an old story. This lady's about 87 or 88 years old. This is 30 years ago. She goes, you know, Brother Wigglesworth was at, you've probably heard the story. Brother Wigglesworth was at a funeral, and the Holy Ghost came on him to raise this lady from the dead while he's there. And so he, Brother Wigglesworth walks over there, gets to the coffin. I mean, we just brush off this, you know, so often that this is no big deal. Wigglesworth gets over there to the coffin, and he grabs the woman in the coffin and pulls her out of the coffin. Don't you know the family's freaking out? I mean, have you ever been to a funeral when someone does that? How, that would be the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Wigglesworth grabs the woman, picks her up out of the... I'm sure she didn't just come out easy. I'm sure he had to kind of get his hands underneath. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like it was a piece of cake. He has to get this lifeless lady out of the, out of the coffin, picks her up like this, throws her against the wall, and says, Walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor. Now, right then, I would have gone, see you later. Good, God bless you. Nice to see you. Man, I, I would have found a door. I'd have got out of there so fast. You, 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 it would have been streak marks on the floor. But you know what? Wigglesworth's not moved. He picks her up a second time, throws her against the wall. I said walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor. I'd have gone up to the family like this. I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. I mean, here, I, I, think about the logistics of picking her up twice. First of all, just going and messing with her is one thing, but then throwing her against the wall, that's crazy. Third time, throws her against the wall. I said walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she comes alive. She goes, I'm in heaven talking to Jesus. All of a sudden, I hear you screaming at me, walk in Jesus' name. 
Okay, as radical as that is, what's Wigglesworth's message? Righteousness, faith, the name of Jesus. We, we, <laughs> the very thing you've been hearing for 30 years, the very thing that you have in your heart tonight, all those messages you've heard, everything Pastor Mike's been preaching comes from that thought pattern. So that's the platform for all those operations and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. We keep, Lord, when will these things happen? When we realize who we really are, we're authorized. I can, I, oh, come on, it, it, this just works. I was with your brother in Ladispoli. There was a woman there. I had a word of knowledge. It was a fire conference. I was so cold, I took the radiant heater, and I laid the radiant heater on my blanket. You know how you're supposed to have them sitting by your deal? <laughs> those, stone, those stone hotels, I mean, it was like below zero. I, I put the radiant heater on my blanket, and the guy goes, that's going to catch on fire. No, it's not. It's going to be perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> it was so cold. But the, this fire conference, people came from all around, you know, and so uh, I start, began to preach one night. I had an Italian interpreter. She was a real, really good interpreter. No, she was from Switzerland, I'm sorry. And she's preaching, does a great Italian. So uh, uh, I had a word of knowledge that someone had cancer. About 12 people came down. Well, one little girl uh, was about 12 years old and had a bandage wrapped around her head. And uh, they came down and said to me, she has cancer all through her brain, but she doesn't really know what's going on. So that's okay, no big deal. So I'm standing there with my uh, Swiss interpreter, and I looked at the girl. And as I'm standing there looking at the girl, I wasn't thinking about how long I've been in the ministry. I wasn't thinking about what school I went to. I wasn't thinking about any of my qualifications. I was thinking about a name that's been given unto me. That when I use that name, it's just as though Jesus is there. And I said, I command you to be healed right now in Jesus' name. And the interpreter said it, you know, and I could tell that the parents were not real happy because it wasn't flamboyant enough. You know what I'm saying? If I'd have gone, whoa, they'd go, oh my God, she's flowing. It's all, you're healed. No, they were mad. The parents went back to their seat and wouldn't even sit down. They leaned forward, like waiting for me to do something else. So I could tell the frustration. So I told the interpreter, I said, tell them that she's healed in that name. See, we've been authorized to use that name. It's just as though he's there. If he was there, we'd go, well, surely she's healed. But just using his name, he's right there. So, and, and the only Italian I know is, Yo tango fami, andiamo mangiare moto. I'm hungry. Let's go eat a lot. So that doesn't work right there. So that's the only thing I can scream. So I can't get my interpreter to scream it at him. Well, uh, I left, left Ladisbury, flew back to America. And I think you, your brother called our office or something and said, that girl went to the doctor and the, the checked her head out and said, the cancer's gone from your head. Now, see, we, uh, it, it makes your faith come alive, realizing that you've been authorized because it takes you out of the equation. Amen? Because we want to make it about, did I pray enough? Did I study enough? Am I holy enough? It's not about you. It's about him. We want to make it about us. It's His authority. We call it the believer's authority. It's really not the believer's authority. It's Jesus' authority in the believer. Oh, come on now. And when we get this, it'll, it'll make us so radical it's almost scary. Because we know it. We all know it. Every person in here, you know this. So go, grab your Bible. Let's go to another one. Hang with me. Just run with me for just a little bit. Buzz over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I just tell you, the Lord's got some stuff for us just here before we leave. I mean, you, you, you got Iran today showing their hypersonic missile that will go. It can hit Israel in 400 seconds. 
So watch Israel do something crazy here in the next few weeks to make that hypersonic missile not work. <laughs> They'll do something. They'll be like, hmm, the hypersonic missile's got a, a loose screw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we're just in a blessed time. We're blessed watching everything come together for the Ezekiel 38 war. So he's, he's calling us to be the church. So maybe we have a year. Maybe we have two years. Maybe we have five years. I don't know. We don't have very many years. Maybe it's this year. What will we do with the time we have left? So I'm trying to show you this is what the early church did. They, they took this and ran with it. If it started that way, it will finish that way. If it started, I'll come preach to you. Amen. God bless you, Marty. See, if it starts that way, it goes yes. full circle. That's how it'll end. It's not rocket science. How did it start with the early church? They knew so much word. They got word in them and they functioned. No, they knew they were authorized. They didn't have hardly any word in them at all. Gifts of the Spirit hadn't even been written yet. Paul hadn't even told them who they are in Christ. They had no idea who they were in Christ. They took an Old Testament concept of authority. Oh, I need to jump on something. They took an Old Testament concept of authority and duplicated Jesus' life. It made it flow. Okay, look at Matthew 28. Look at this for just a second. You know this so good. Matthew 28, look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, like remember Thomas, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he commissioned them to go, go out. Isn't that something how uh, uh, he said, Okay, I'm going to give you a tenth of my authority and you're going to make it fine. No, he gave it all. I remember I was preaching in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. There was a church I'd been to many years. There was a family that I'd prayed for their baby, had Down syndrome. The baby got healed of Down syndrome. And, the, and they, they supported me for like 25 years. I said, you guys don't have to send, that's sweet of them to send me a check, but you don't have to do that. And they said, well, we have a 13-year-old that would you pray over him? I said, sure, he doesn't have Down syndrome, but would you just bless him after the service time? He said, sure, we'll do it. So that night, I taught on heaven. I never teach on heaven, ever. Never taught a lesson on heaven my whole life. That night in Pittsburgh, I taught on heaven the whole time while I'm preaching. Why am I preaching on heaven? Well, the youth weren't in there. The youth were back in their class. So when I finished preaching on heaven, that, that couple brought their young 13-year-old in. You know, we're going to lay hands on him. No big deal. I said, sure, bring him on in. Let's do it. We're at the end of the service. Laid hands on him, and I just spoke the word that my mother hammered in me my whole life. He's the disciple, disciple taught of the Lord. Grace his peace in our circumposure. Uh, he hearkens to the voice of the Lord. Stranger's voice he does not follow. He trusts the Lord with all his heart, lean not to his own understanding. All his ways you acknowledge, he acknowledges you, and you direct his path. His pathway, there is light. There is no darkness at all. Blessed him. He falls out under the power. He's out cold, man. I mean, he's, he's toast. So we walk around, talk a little bit, you know, and he's laying there. Have you ever seen a golden retriever dream? You ever seen how dogs dream when they're, they're you know, they're moving around? They're, they're, whatever they're doing, but they're, having, they're chasing a rabbit or something, you know. This little boy at 13, he's laying on the floor doing all kinds of stuff. They go, what's wrong with him? I say, he's just out on the power. It's all right. Let, let him enjoy it. Well, we talked for another 30 minutes or so, and they go, we got to go home. I said, well, just pick him up and haul him home. It's all right. They picked him up and took him home, and uh, they said in the middle of the night, about 3 or 4 in the morning, he woke up and said, hey, I just went to heaven tonight. They go, shut up, go back to sleep, it's 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, you're nuts. They said, no, no, I went to heaven tonight, I saw, I saw Grandpa. Grandpa took his biscuits and gravy, and he took his biscuits and slid it through the gravy, and that's how he did it while he was on the earth. So you did see Grandpa, that's exactly how he ate his biscuits and gravy. He said, Grandpa was cool, but something was even cooler. He said, Jesus walked in with this gold stick. <laughs> this is a 13-year-old telling this. Jesus walked in there with this gold stick. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of my kingdom. 
Jesus told that 13-year-old, I don't have any authority in the earth. I gave it all to my church. You should have seen that 13-year-old get up in front of the whole church and Jesus said he didn't have any authority in the earth. He gave it all to us. When you get it, that the one that overcame death, hell and the grave, victorious over death, Jesus was in the heart of the earth. He was being stung by demons all around him. And he said, I'll dwell in the land of living forever. He called those things that be not as though they were while he was in the heart of the earth. And you know what happened to him? The oil of gladness above thy fellows, the glory of God came on him, and he was born again right there. Every time you say in the name of Jesus, every time you say, I command this, that's what's coming all over you is an unseen realm that knows all of that that knows the supremacy of the words you're saying you can bless your taco and something comes out of your mouth that radiates into that taco and it makes your body come alive because you're talking about the king of kings and the lord of lords well so i know that brother Joe. well good for you here's a cookie this 13-year-old, man, he got it. He got it. He goes, it blew his mind. He goes, I, I can't even comprehend this, but we have the authority right now. Everybody thinks, well, they think the Lord's causing this or causing that. No, with this dispensation, he left it all up to the church. Germany killed 6 million Jews and prospered because Germany's, God's not mad at anybody right now. <laughs> Whoo. Well, all right, let's go back to Matthew 28. Let's look at it for a second. Hang with everybody with me for just a couple more minutes. A couple more minutes. We'll do just a little bit more. So here Jesus says in verse 18, all authority, mm, all power. Wow. Now, you know, uh, in the Greek, this is what they heard. Because, boy, I wish it would have been broken up like this in the King James. In the Greek, it says, I'm giving you a right to act. I'm giving you freedom of action. So they heard, okay, I can act in your stead, and I've got freedom of action. It's not like I've got to go, okay, if, have I done everything right in my life, just right to have his authority? Notice the Lord didn't go, I'm going to make you flawless, and then you'll function in my authority. That's why people outside of the family could function and have greater faith than people in the family, because the family had such a sin consciousness. I'm not going to stand up and say that. That's why he had to go outside of the covenant people because the covenant people had such a sin consciousness because they loved the Lord, but the devil was beating them over the head. You had to have a person almost in the world to understand faith better than the church. Chew on that for a minute. Okay, a right to act, freedom of action. Hang with me. Everybody with me for just a little bit? How many of you like Clint Eastwood? Don't you love Brother Eastwood? God bless Brother Eastwood, you know. Uh, my mom would take me to church services when I was a kid. And my dad would take me to Dirty Harry, to Magnum Force. They were, I shouldn't have seen those movies. I, I was way too young and, and probably shouldn't have seen them when I got old. <laughs> but, you know, my dad would take me to Dirty Harry. I mean, Clint Eastwood, you remember Dirty Harry? You remember the scene? We've talked about it before. Remember the iconic scene when he has the 44 Magnum? He goes, in all the confusion, you feel lucky, punk? I can't remember if I shot five times or six times. Go ahead and make my day. Man, it's iconic. That guy on the ground's laying there going, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. I mean, that's the, that's the most iconic moment at all. 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun. But see, it's not real. It's a movie. You know, that, the gun's probably a, a, a toy gun because Clint Eastwood's from California. He probably doesn't even like guns. He's probably afraid of guns. <laughs> it's not real. But what happened was they, they get a script, and the director goes, Now, Clint, I won't, I'm, I'm going to say action. 
And I want you to walk over there, and I want you to make that guy think you're going to shoot him right here. And Clint's like, you know, that's kind of bold to have a gun and act like I'm going to shoot him. But you know what? You're paying me a lot of money, so okay, so let's get ready here. All right. So the director goes, everybody set, all set, quiet on the set, action. And Clint goes over there, and all of the confusion, feel lucky, punk. I mean, he hits it just perfect because he's a professional. And, and, and he says it perfectly because he knows his lines. Now, how can someone be that bold about a script that's not real and you've got a holy script right there in your lap? If somebody can be that bold about something that doesn't exist, how much more you can be bold about that script? The problem is, this is it'd be weird if Clint Eastwood goes like this, in all the confusion, feel lucky, punk. He doesn't know his lines. He's having to read his lines on his arm. The reason why it works is because he studied his lines and he acts the part. He acts the part. He acts the part, walks over there and does it, but it's not real. The amazing thing is, in the church, we've heard the word so much, we used to think we were the guy on the floor, the victim. Now we found out we're not the victim, we're a victor. And then you get a little bit more word in you, and you find out, well, I'm not the guy on the ground, I might, I might be Clint Eastwood. Well, you know what? In the movie, you're not the guy on the ground, you're not Clint Eastwood. Guess who you are in the movie? You're Jesus. You're his stand-in. The reason why people don't have results is they don't know their lines. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, can you imagine greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world? Woo, hallelujah. (laughs) Wow, so you have a holy script that's real. If Clint can be that bold, think how bold you can be. Amen. Now hang with me. This whole message is for, for right now. For what your authority makes you set the tone, and that's what your faith does. It sets the tone for your future. That's what authorization does. It sets the tone. Hallelujah. Mm. You can set it wherever you want it. I mean, you can, you, can, you can have it unlimited, or you can have it right here. That's what happens when we come here to the Word. Week by week by week, messages get in you. Where all of a sudden, you, you're an expansion of that, what you really believe. I remember years ago, a friend of mine was making me go preach in this camp meeting. I was ushering in a church in Tulsa. I wasn't full-time in the ministry. I didn't want to be in the ministry. I was helping these two preachers and thought, well, I'll help them. I don't need to be in the ministry. I did not even want to preach ever. And my buddy Ross Roberts, you know how crazy he is, he would make me go preach in these meetings. I go, Ross, I'm not going to preach in these meetings. All these guys are there. They, they know enough about the Lord. I don't need to even get it. He'd make me get up and preach. Like Mac Hammonds, he'd go, and throw the mic at me like that. i go, go, in these final hours, i go, don't, don't ever throw the mic at me like that again. Come on, are you crazy? So Ross makes me go be in this meeting with him. We got off the plane, and the news media met us when we got there. I've told the story before here, but, you know, uh, the news media gets there. Oh, I said, well, don't interview me, interview Ross. And this is what Ross does. Like, he's, oh, God. He gets that crazy preacher look and goes like this. He does Elvis Presley. He goes like this. He goes, I dare you to come from all over the lakes, come from all around. God will heal you. Bring the sick, bring the lame. God will heal every single one of you. I was like, Ross, just invite them to the service. Don't. I mean, it was, it was you know, that preacher look was scary. You know, you know that look. And so the cameraman goes like this and looks out at him like, what are you doing? And I, I kept going like, just Whatever. So we get to the meeting. I preached Sunday morning. It was horrible, horrific. Had a lady walk up to me and said, don't try to do this for a living. <laughs> I'm so serious. 
And she, I said, well, you're about the fifth lady to tell me that. You're, you're in, out of the mouth of two witnesses. Let every word be established. I get it. It's bad. So it was flat as a pancake. It was horrible. It was just terrible. And uh, so Ross is going to speak that night. And uh, he wouldn't come in the meeting because the music was so bad. He goes, I can't go out there. You, you go out there. I'm not going out there. Because he was chingling and dinging. It, was, it had nothing to do with Jesus. It was just, it was just horrible music, okay? <laughs> So Ross goes, I can't go out there. So I'm standing on the front row going, come on, Ross, get out here. I'm waiting for him to come in. I mean, the whole music service. It was like a 30, 40-minute music service. And he wouldn't come in. So I'm standing over there waiting for Ross. Next thing you know, I look up, there's two huge angels standing right there, about right where I'm here. I was about right there where the bench was, about where Pastor Greg is, about like this. Well, you know, I, my, I grew up in a family. My mom taught me, you, you don't look for a vision. You have a more sure word of prophecy. So when I was traveling with this prophet, all of a sudden I started having discerning of spirits happen. I thought I was losing my mind. But then I'd, I'd see an angel working on someone's back, and he'd go, there's an angel working on that person's back. i go, well, I'm not crazy, so I'm not, I lost my mind. So in that meeting, I'm standing there. These two huge angels stand there and look down at me like this, super, like they're on purpose, like they're a mission, radiating in the glory of God, like nine, ten feet tall, just staring at me like this. I looked up to them, I ducked my head. I was like, oh, man. Looked up again, like, okay, here we go. Because they didn't tell you at Raymond what to do when two angels come walking around. I, I had no, man, I have no idea what to do. The thing that I thought of most is, do I offer them something to drink? You know what I'm saying? Would you like a Diet Coke? Would you like, a, that's the normal thing you do for someone that's visiting, right? So I'm standing there going, what in the world do I do? Like, where's Ross? Get in here, Ross. So I'm standing right, right there thinking, what do I do? Because I would turn my head. And when I turned my head, there was a whole section of the kids on the floor kind of coloring. because They didn't have children's church back then. They, they were all in the main service. And there were angels all around the kids. I thought, well, that's kind of bizarre. Finally, Ross comes walking in. He goes, you got anything? I said, nope, nope, don't have a thing, don't have a thing. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Go for it. He gets up and starts preaching. And the Holy Ghost says, those angels have come to bring a woman a new heart. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. I thought, well, Ross will call that out. That's no big deal. Come to the end of the service, Ross didn't call it out. He says, you got something? I said, well, I guess so. I said, there's someone here. You need a new heart. This lady got up, came walking down. She, she had congestive heart failure. She looked like she was going to die before I could pray for her. I said, Lord, you better heal her, and you better heal her quick. And she, she, was, she, she looked so frail, bless her heart. And, you know, I told her, Jesus redeemed her from the curse of the law. By the stripes of Jesus, she's healed. I commanded her to be healed in Jesus' name. She fell out on the power. She hopped up, vibrant, went back to her seat, vibrant. Ross gives the altar call. That woman, her entire family came down and gave their life to the Lord. I'm thinking, how cool is this? She gets healed and saved. Now, that was amazing. That was Sunday night. We, we, we were going Sunday through Friday. That woman, Monday, went to the cardiologist. She goes walking in there, and she, she goes bebopping in there. He goes, wow, what's up with you? You got so much energy. She goes, I went to this crazy church service, and I got healed. Well, she said, and he goes, well, I'll be the judge of that. He did an EKG, did another EKG. He did another EKG. She said, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. And, he, and, he, and that, that cardiologist said, you have the heart of a 17-year-old. So she gets a brand new heart. That was on Monday. Wednesday, the news media came back because the cardiologist called the news media and said, I got to have a legitimate miracle. This woman has a heart of a 17-year-old, and she was about to die. 
Well, we came Friday night. You know how you have your foyer out here? The foyer was so full of people, you couldn't even get in there. There were people with candles, people with crystals. A lady brought me a purple amethyst. I still have it in my office. You couldn't get into the meeting. I said, no, we're actually supposed to speak. They're like, we're not letting you in. I said, it was too full. I said, no, we're actually the speakers. They wouldn't let us in. Well, that night Ross uh, preached the gospel. All these people came forward and got saved. One woman possessed of the devil slid down the middle aisle like a snake. I went, all, went after her, grabbed her by the head, grabbed her by the hair. Come out of her in Jesus' name. All these people got saved. Why? The, the newspaper came out that afternoon. Angels bring woman new heart. Christ redeemed her from the curse of the law. So all these people came and got healed and saved. How did they get healed and saved? Great preaching? No, lady told me, you, you ain't going to make it, buddy. <laughs> what, it wasn't, you know, we think it has to be, I tell you, he's the same yesterday. No, no. the lady said, don't, don't try to do this for a living. So what was it? Ross set the tone for the meeting. I dare you to come. Bold means to dare to do. Let me just tell you, there's something about setting the tone. Uh, I, we have such little time left before we're raptured. Let's, let's start setting the tone like freaks the devil out. I mean, like the devil goes, what in the world did I just hear come out of that church? I'm talking about expansive uh, uh, communication for what you want in 2023. What you decree right now, you'll see in 2023. So let's set the tone for 2023. What, what, what do you want to happen? I, I know I'll think about my grandkids. I think about my daughter. I think about my, my son-in-law. I think about what, what we're called to do. I'm going to set some things up for, for our nation, and you're going to set some things up for your family. Then you'll say some things about your church. You, you'll, you'll speak over your church, and there'll be things, words come out of your mouth that come from a platform of strength because it's His authority. We're just cooperating with him. He's waiting for us to do this. He said, I'm authorizing you, so let's act like we're authorized. What do you want next year? What do you want this fall? Make it crazy. <laughs> Make it crazy good. It's not like Lord's going, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can pull that off. And he, he said in John 14, the two, the two keys were to function like him were authorization and, and presence. And he said, whatever you demand in my name, if I don't have it, I'll create it. There was a lady that was in our office in Tulsa uh, when I was working for Ed Dufresne. She came there early, stayed late. I thought, what's up with this lady? She comes in at 7, stays till 9 every night. Well, they said, well, she uh, had a hysterectomy and still wanted to have some children. The doctor took out her uterus. Well, she was in one of Ed's meetings, and she got a brand-new uterus. She started having some pain in her belly, went to the doctor. He goes, you're pregnant. She, she said, I can't be pregnant. You took out my uterus. He goes, you have a brand-new uterus in where I took the one out. Jesus said, if you don't have it, I'll create it. Hallelujah. Must have freaked her husband out. <laughs> I'm pregnant. You can't be. <laughs> yes, I am. So let's do this. Let's set the tone for next year. Let's set the tone for this fall. I want you to do it however you want to do it. Father, we thank you for what you've given us in the church, Lord. We, we see all the signs of the coming of the Lord. We see all the amazing things happening around Israel that point to the king coming back, us being raptured, getting glorified bodies. So in this little sliver of time that we have left before we leave, Lord, we make proclamation over our families. We make proclamation over our church, over our country, over our nation. We thank you for great peace in our land. Satan, you'll not hinder our land, not at all, not in the least. You have no right to our land because we live here. 
This is our country. So we thank you for blessing Iowa. Thank you for blessing the United States of America. Our president, vice president, and congressmen, congresswomen, the whole, the whole, whole gamut, Lord, blessed of the Lord. A new yieldedness to light as opposed to darkness. We thank you for it, Father. And Lord, we say over our families, we thank you for uh, blessing our children an insight into the perfect will of God for such, for such an early age. They hearken to the voice of the Lord, the stranger's voice they do not follow. And Lord, whatever they're decreeing right now over their children, their grandchildren, over their jobs, over everything they set their hand to, Lord, we thank you for radical increase, radical overflow, Lord, that the glory of the Lord would be seen by all. Your goodness, your mercy, and your kindness. How could we be loved by you this much that you would give us so much? We decree it, Father. I say over my grandkids, they hearken to your voice, stranger's voice. They do not follow. They trust in you with all of their heart. They lean not to their own understandings. Father, I thank you. You have given them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We thank you for that. Father, I thank you for this congregation, what you've given Pastor Mike, Pastor Joan. They have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We thank you for it. The eyes of our understanding, they are enlightened. We know what the hope of our calling is. We thank you for it. And the excessive, exceeding amount of the power that's usward who believe, according to the work of, working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this world, but in that which is to come. We make preparation for the rapture. We make preparation for the millennial reign. We're not done when we're raptured, Lord. We make preparation for our next season. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you for visions, dreams, visitations, operations of the Holy Ghost distributions of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it, Father. Now, don't, don't take this as strange, but you, there's going to be a rash, it's not weird, a rash of angels appearing to people. And there'll be a message to it. Uh, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. There'll be a message of the coming of the Lord with it. It won't be weird, it won't be strange. It'll just stir you up. Go, you know what, an angel stood right there, freaked me out at first, but you know what he said to me? He, he said, Jesus is about to come. Hey, Jesus is appearing to people all over Iran, appearing to children all over Iran. And I just heard the Holy Ghost say that. Tell them, tell them, angels, there'll be visitation of angels. That'll be commissioned to come and just, they'll, they'll, just what they did to Jesus, they encouraged him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. They'll encourage you. They'll say, the Lord's coming. Let me just tell you, you can't get much more excited than though you're about to see Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Father, thank you. Let's just worship him for just a minute, and then we'll go. I don't want, don't want to miss a miracle or something, then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness. You're so kind. We give you glory, give you honor, and give you praise. Thank you for this crowd that came tonight on Monday night, Lord, to, to hear about you, Jesus. 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 Unveil th things to us about you, Lord. Your ways and your purposes, your kindness and your mercy. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Praise God. You know, uh, um, before we go, I want to give you a couple of quick invitations, then we'll dismiss. I, I preached a long time. Uh, maybe you're here and you've not asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you come on Monday night. How cool would that be to get saved just before the rapture of the church? 
If you're like that, you say, well, I've never done that. Uh, just with the uplifted hand, say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to the Lord tonight. I won't embarrass you. I'll pray with you. Anyone at all. Say, that's me. Pray for me. I'd like to get saved. Don't want to miss anybody. Amen. Don't be nervous about it. Let's just get it. Man, how cool is that? That's, it's, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Paying for Adam's sin. Praise God. All right, looks like everybody's saved. Just don't want to miss anybody. And how about be filled with the Holy Spirit? You're here tonight, so I've not had that uh, Pentecostal experience. Jesus said you'd be endued with power from on high. Amen. I was in Boise, Idaho last year. 30-some-odd people in the first service, 30-some-odd people in the second service. I was in Orlando uh, four months ago, a Wednesday night meeting, uh, uh, 28 people filled with the Holy Ghost. Lubbock, Texas, 58 people baptized in the Holy Ghost in one service. We had nowhere to pray for them. It was, the room was full. See, there's a whole new crop of people coming in. I'm saying that. I don't care if you get it tonight. don't care when you get it. But there's a whole new crop of people coming in that don't have it yet. So you need to get it. I don't care if you get it on your way to the car. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, don't even leave the city limits till you get it. <laughs> That's what he said. Sure appreciate you guys coming. Hey, uh, uh, symptoms of whiplash. Someone, you have this uh, thing in your neck. You're healed. Amen. I remember being here, I guess it was March, and I had, had a few words of knowledge. I can't remember what they were. I remember someone got healed over a growth or something. And one lady came up to me. I'll never forget it. The last word of knowledge I had was someone's sinuses got burned. And she, she was sitting right over here. She came up to me after the service. She said, you know what I said all day today? There's no way he's going to call out what's wrong with me. There's no way he's going to call out what's wrong with me. There's no way he's going to call out what's wrong with me. The opposite of the one was issue of blood, and the Lord healed her sinuses right here, saying all day, there's no way he's going to call out what's wrong with me. Man, isn't the Lord good? Man, his mercy endures forever. Wow. That's wild. Let's thank him one more time. Lord, we love you. We magnify you. We bless you. We lift up our voice in adoration. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. Honor, power, dominion to the Son of God. Was and is and is to come. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Remember this before you go. He loves you. And these are the most wonderful days. Horrible for the world. But for the church, we're about to see the King. Hallelujah. Amen. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow night. Give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mike.